We are very privileged tonight to have our preacher here, and I was forbidden to say what I said this morning. Uh, Charles Rumer is an Englishman, and he is a missionary in Belgium. And our church is connected with the Belgian Evangelical Assembly, or Belgian Evangelical Mission. And Charles is one of their missionaries working in the French part of Belgium. And, uh, Belgium. And large parts of Europe, of Europe is really of the toughest places on earth as far as penetration of the gospel is concerned. And so having him here is like having someone who's really been fighting on the front lines and being being to out there. And it's a privilege to have you here talk and listen to your show from God's way. I assure you the front lines are many. There are many front lines here in London as well. We've had the privilege of having some uh, South African friends join us in Belgium. And uh, it's very exciting to try and um, understand what they're saying. They were always talking and everything was lekker. Everything was lekker. It's an exciting idea. And the other thing they were always doing is, is purchasing, purchasing donkeys. You know, buy a donkey. Always purchasing donkeys. I, I, extraordinary. Still, God has a wonderful sense of humor. We have a, a text tonight from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 28. And I'd like to read that. If you've got your Bible with you, then do follow that along. Matthew chapter 28. From verse 16, I shall be reading from the English, obviously. Please do follow along in the Afrikaans to check that it says the same thing. That's important. Matthew 28, from verse 16. Jesus is resurrected. He is there in person. And these are these powerful words that he addresses to his disciples. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. I want to pray. Father, these words are so powerful. I cannot begin to unwrap what you're trying to say here. It is so far-reaching. Give me strength. But may your word itself speak into the hearts of my friends here tonight. Amen.
This is a fantastic conclusion to the Gospel of Matthew. And they're very direct words. I think it was Mark Twain who said, what I find difficult in the Bible, what causes me trouble, is not what I don't understand. What causes me most trouble is what I do understand. And here these words are so clear that maybe they're going to be troublesome for us tonight because they're so direct and so clear. It's the final appearance of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew's Gospel. It's not the final appearance of Jesus on earth to his disciples. That's related elsewhere, Acts. But here, Matthew stops the Gospel in order to leave these words, I think, with such power, this great commission. He wants to stress this final command of Jesus to his disciples. There are also two great biblical themes here in in these few verses that have been throughout the Gospel of Matthew and now they're coming to an incredible conclusion. The themes of kingship, the kingship of Jesus, and the theme of his presence with us. We'll come to those later. I want to try and, I've tried and thought of a, a, a structure, and I, I've struck on the idea of using the word all. In the Greek, it's the word uh, panta. Panta, I like that, that sounds quite nice. I'm not a Greek expert, but I thought that sounded nice. And I found four pantas, four alls in this passage. You want to just look through the passage there. there there's all authority. All nations, all that I taught, and all days. Lots of alls. It's an all-encompassing passage. And I think Jesus wants to stress the far-reaching nature of the message that he wants to declare. It encompasses, it's so wide, so broad, so far-reaching, with such incredible power. So let's get stuck into the text. Let's start with number one, all authority. All authority. The first one on the overhead there. Panther number one. Well, we've heard of the theme of the kingship of Jesus in Matthew quite a lot. Essentially, starting right from chapter one. Chapter one, the first 17 verses. We see that Jesus comes from a royal line. In fact, the royal line of importance, the line of David. And then in chapter two, he is established as the king of the Jews. The kingship of Jesus is developed. He's the king of the Jews in chapter chapter 2. Again, in chapter 21, later on, the king Jesus enters his royal city, Jerusalem. Remember, he's on a donkey. And then we're absolutely distraught to see in chapter 27 that the king we've grown to love is mocked, mocked by the soldiers. And now finally, in this fantastic finish, chapter 28, we see that Jesus is declared supreme king over all the nations. In fact, more, heaven and earth, with all authority. This is what it's coming down to in this verse. All, all authority. Jesus is taking this prophecy of Daniel. Do you remember Daniel's prophecy? 
And he's always citing it word for word. There's so many themes that are coming out in Daniel's prophecy. I just want to quote to you what Daniel said back in the Old Testament. And you'll see how this rings true with these few verses here in Matthew. Daniel had a vision. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the agent of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Here is the king before God. All peoples, nations, and men of every language language worshipped him. He is therefore God himself. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The authority of Jesus is so far-reaching, it encompasses everything. It has no end. I was wondering how to illustrate this. Um, And I came across, I I thought about this, uh, it's pathetic really. You can't begin to illustrate the all-encompassing, all-powerful authority of Jesus, but it's a bit like this. I used to work for uh, GE Lighting in Enfield, um, not far from here, and I was an engineer, and I was working on a project to computerize a house. And uh, I had a schedule laid out, and it was going to take a few months to finish, I think, I can't remember how long. And my boss uh, said to me once, I think he was, uh, I was in the passageway or something, oh, um, they've, they've asked that we've, um, we finished the project, have to complete the project in two weeks. Ha! I said, oh yes, um, come on, two weeks? No, impossible. Absolutely ridiculous. And I stopped and turned around and I said, and I said who's, who's asking? Who's they? Who wants it finished in two weeks? And he said, Colin Southgate. Now, Colin Southgate was not just the boss. He was my boss's 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 boss. He was the overall executive, chief executive of not just the company I worked for, but the entire multinational conglomerate. Oh, well, that changes things slightly. And all of a sudden, I had incredible power as as a small engineer in the company. I had an unlimited budget. Now, imagine that if you're a finance manager here tonight. It just doesn't happen, does it? I could, I could, uh, I remember I was uh, calling on motorbikes to run parts all over the country. I was, I was able to, uh, I had an enormous disposition. I had engineers if I wanted them at my disposal. I just had to get the job done. An almost impossible job done in two weeks. Of course, we managed. Because I was given resources. And it's a bit like that with this command of Jesus. He starts by giving us, by showing us the authority that he has. All authority has been given to Jesus. He has authority in, he had authority, had authority in earthly ministry, and now he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus, high over all. Jesus is our king. He is the king of kings. The fact of his worship, of his authority, leads us to just worship him. Jesus, our King, with supreme authority, we can do nothing else. But as the disciples there, they worshipped him. But this authority he's talking, he's talked about, doesn't just stop there for us to admire and worship him. It comes to our second panta, panta number two. The passage says. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, do something. Therefore, go to all nations. Panta number two. All nations. Go to all nations. It's an unequivocal command. We have to do what he says. Go. And again, it's a biblical theme. Many of you here from South Africa have already come across from one nation to another and you're here working in London or studying. It's a biblical theme. Of course, it comes right back to, I think, I, perhaps even before, before him, but Abraham certainly was called to go from the comfort of Ur the Chaldeans and he was called to go to a place called Canaan. Joseph and Jacob, Jacob, more by circumstance, were called to move out, move the people into Egypt, the drought. And then, of course, Moses was called to move them out again. The people of God were mobile. They were always on the go in the desert. Go, on the go in the desert. And Joshua was called to go into the promised land. God is a God who moves his people around. It's his plan. And the exiles, later by another way, were moved by God out into exile. And Daniel, like I quoted earlier, was one of those who was in exile. Of course, the New Testament doesn't, doesn't drop this theme of mission, of being called, being sent. And this time it's through the missionary journeys of Paul and his colleagues. The expansion of the church all over the known world was a phenomena, a quite extraordinary phenomena, because God had set into the hearts of these people to go with the message. And the message has not stopped spreading ever since. And we cannot be just content to reach out to our neighbours. We have to listen more. And this is, I think, where it gets uncomfortable. About half the world's population cannot be reached unless we step out of our comfort zones. Half the world's population needs to be reached through cross-cultural mission. If you think about it, much of the Muslim world, in fact nearly all the Muslim world, needs to be reached through people going and ministering in cross-cultural evangelism. Many countries in the, in the Far East, Malaysia, think of countries in uh, the Philippines, tribes in the Philippines. They need to be reached through cross-cultural evangelism. God is calling people today through these words. In fact, that was part of my calling uh, some time ago, hearing these words. My challenge today, though, is are we listening to God to go the whole way? Do you remember Terah, Abraham's father? He set out for, for Canaan, he himself, before Abraham. But he stopped short in Haran and didn't go any further. I wonder whether we're in the situation like Terah, where we've come and we maybe have, been, have moved to London for economic reasons or for educational reasons, for a number of reasons, and that's great, but we haven't actually gone the whole way. And we know that God is calling us further. But of course, I'm a missionary in 
in Europe, in Belgium, and I would, of course, want to encourage you to come across to continental Europe. Ah, but you say, well, Charles, you've just no idea. You're a British citizen. You have a British passport. Of course, you can do that. But we can't do that. We're um, bound by the Schengen countries and these strange uh, rules. But God can change the rules. If God decided to change the rules, would you be prepared, prepared to go then? Or, or are you hiding behind the rules? I'd like to illustrate this with, with a couple of slides. Let's have a look at, first of all, the situation in Belgium. Belgium is, I call it, post-Catholic, because it's no longer a Catholic country. It's a mission field that's crying out with need. And that has created some interesting opportunities. There's a spirituality. People are seeking, actually, surprisingly, in the country I work in, in Belgium. Let's look at some figures here. There's, uh, oh yes, very pretty. So that's about 10 million inhabitants. And there's an awful lot. Let's look at that figure. I can't quite see it there. I can just sleep up there. I can't read it on here either. It's, um, I think, about 1.6% professing Bible-believing Christians, which leaves an awful lot, awful lot of Christians yet to come, yet to believe. Um, there's a big task. Pray for Belgium, please. I say Belgium is post-Catholic. Let's have a look at the next slide. This is just to remind us of that. But much of it is being forgotten. The state of the Catholic Church is a real mess, it has to be said. But they're still seeking. We have encouragingly, encouragingly Catholics who come along to join with us to just see what it's about. And many find that our approach to believing the Bible and treating the Bible as it is, God's authoritative word, is refreshing because they've not known that. They've not known that. So the task in Central Europe is enormous, but there are indeed opportunities. So let's come to the third phantom now. We've had all authority, all authority, and then we've had all go to all nations. The third one there is something to do with teaching. Phantom number three, teach all that I taught, said Jesus. Teach all that I taught. If we want to be really, if we want to be true to the text, and that is our aim, that is our task, maybe as a missionary I'd like to insist on the fact that Jesus says go. And that is true. But actually, if I'm honest to what the Greek says here in the text, it's not the main verb. Going is not the to go is not the main verb. Not even the word the verb to teach. So what is the main verb? The main verb is to make, to make disciples. All the rest are actually supporting present participles. It's, it's a bit like if I, were, if I were to say, going, baptizing, teaching, in order to make disciples. That's our task. We have to go, we have to baptize, to teach, in order to do this one thing. The most important thing in this verse is to make disciples. Make disciples by, by what? How? And the verse answers that, by teaching what Jesus taught, by teaching all that I taught, said Jesus. Well, I think this is a big challenge for me, for us here tonight. Are we doing that? Are we putting this person to practice? It is so clear. 
Do we have a priority in our lives to teach the whole message of Jesus, to make disciples where we live, where we are, where we're, where we're, where we're working, among our colleagues, in the classroom, in the university lecture hall, in the hospital? Are we doing that? Are we making disciples? Are we using every opportunity? I sat next to someone on the train yesterday. I just couldn't get the conversation to go in the right direction, so I gave up. I admit, I'm not very good at it. But are we doing this? Is this our life priority? Is this our aim? Are we putting this into practice? From baptism onwards, are our lives lived with our diaries, our agendas, with this in mind? Are we consciously fulfilling the great priority, the great commission of Jesus? I've got a few slides to try and illustrate what we're doing in, in my town of Bash in Belgium. Here we are. This is our church. It's a few more people than they would normally be on a Sunday morning. This is a, a service at Bash. Uh, it was a special event, so I took a photo quickly, or got someone to take a photo, so it looks big. If you're into planting a churches, you count all, you count everything. You count, it's not biblical. Biblical, in biblical numbers, you count the men. We count men and women, and children, and bungery cars, and dogs, and everything else that comes in. Just to try and encourage us. Well, there are lots of people there, that's great. What else have we got? Looking at the next slide, we've got. Uh, we like to teach in, in different ways. Teaching, we be, I believe that teaching you can do it in, in a variety of ways, and I think that's necessary. This is the and this is a sermon. Okay, this is a sermon, and you can see that the house on the right is standing firm on well, there's a rock there hidden under the sand, whereas there was a house there on the left, but it's all disappeared. That's a nice. Uh, I think teaching is important, but we need to we need to work out how we're doing these things. How are we teaching? And then we've got a picture of a, well, baptism is, is really the start of where it happens. That's the start of our Christian life. Start of uh, believing. It's part of the believing package to be baptized. And then and we have a, a thriving youth group. A number of churches have come together for this. It's called Nedza. Check out nedza.com. You'll be amused. And here we are teach this, this is the moment this is the teaching moment in Nedza uh, a while back. But in order to be able to teach, we have to earn that privilege among the youth today. You know, I asked um, I asked a uh, South African who was with us once, I said, what is the South African's national dish? Because we in England are supposed to have roast beef as our national dish. And the French, uh, the Belgians have uh, steak and chips with uh, salad. And I said, what is your national dish in South Africa? And expecting him to say something like buffalo or, or beef uh, in a bourguignon sauce or something interesting. And you know what he said? He said, um, national dish, meat. Well, well how, is it, how is it cooked? Has it got an interesting sauce with it? Or is it done delicately? Or No, meat, he said. Oh, what kind of meat? No, no, just, just meat. Fine. Okay, well, I, I think I'd enjoy uh, South African culture. That sounds just like me. Well, in our youth group, we've taken this principle, but we've reversed it slightly. Here we are, we're, in, we're into, into entertainment. Uh, this is a game we had just on Friday nights. This is football, only with all, on all fours. And the next one, you see, we like to smash each other up. Here we are, hammering each other in the garden. You see, this is, this is the ketchup. We're into, we, were, we started the youth club with 90% ketchup, 90% entertainment, and just 10% meat. And now we've increased the meat. Now we have a, another group, part of the youth group, that is into, uh, that is into teaching. 
and to worship and prayer. That's a second group. So essentially, I think the message is the same, but the methods are changing. This is Caroline. She works among the children. She's wonderful. She's from France. And I want you to note her and pray for her. She's a very gifted children's worker. And she's come to join us on a, an assistant pastorate, an assistant working. And the next slide as well, this is on the left here is Genevieve. And do remember her as well. Uh, she's uh, doing, another, uh, doing an assistant uh, internship with us as well. And on the right there are Mario and, uh, and Sylvie. They know we, I said I want to take this picture while we're doing this discovery Bible study. This is a teaching group here, and they're on the verge of becoming Christians. And I said I want to take this photograph so that people will pray for you. I don't think they had in mind just how many were going to pray for them. But they're, uh, they're on the verge of accepting Jesus Christ and coming to faith in him, giving their lives to him. That's very exciting. Do pray for them, please. And pray for Genevieve and Capoline. Particularly, I'll tell you why, because as a church, we're really grateful because you have enabled us to do some amazing things through your generosity, your encouragement, your prayer, and also your practical financial giving. And among other, amongst other things, you have enabled Genevieve and Caroline to have a head start, because them a little head start financially, because it's very hard for Belgians and French to find their stipend, to find the finances necessary. A big thank you for them. Do pray where you're putting your money, please, because that's even more valuable. That's great. That's good. Let's look at the fourth and final uh, panta now. We've had all authority, panta one. Panta two, go to all nations. Panta three, teach all that I taught. And panta four. Oh, it comes. Panta four is... I will be with you always, all days, all days. What a wonderful promise. What an extraordinary promise that is. I don't know really whether we realize just what a promise that is. It cannot be taken for granted. We're just so, sometimes we take the presence of Jesus just so much for granted. Living in the New Testament with this incredible promise. This promise is for those of us, all of us. I pray, who are putting this, this word into practice, who are doing these things, who are, are bringing the gospel. As we are doing this work, Jesus promises to be with us. Surely, and surely, if we are doing this, putting this into practice, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the great theme of God's presence. God's presence. It was announced right at the beginning of the, of the gospel here. Let's tie the gospel of Matthew up. Announced by the word Emmanuel, God with us in chapter 1. And now it's reached its fulfillment. It's confirmed. I will, am with you always, always in here in this chapter 28. The theme of God's presence. All days. We're never alone. Do you remember how important the presence of God was to Moses? And after that horrendous episode with the golden calf where the people of Israel sinned in a horrendous way, Moses was face to face with God and he has this discussion and says, Moses says to him in chapter 33, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses knew that without God, no, not worth going, nothing happens, no, it's finished. 
turn the lights off, put the key under the door, stop. The presence of God was just so important to Moses. And Jesus here is promising to be with you. It's not worth going without him. You know, I think I'd like to be honest. In Belgium, as Dawi said, it's sometimes hard. I think that's true of all of us too, isn't it? Sometimes we face hard times. It's difficult. We can't seem to get the message across. And sometimes we just fail. Opportunities fail. We just fail God sometimes. And for me, it's not comfortable. I sometimes feel so weak. I feel so inadequate. If you're on the front line, you you get shot at too. And sometimes it's from those who are working in the gospel alongside you. And that's hard to take. And frequently I feel, I think Francis, my wife and I have often said these words. It's a bit like in the playground. Children in the playground and you're playing football and it's not going the way you want it to. And so you end up praying this prayer. Lord, I'm going home and I'm taking my ball with me. And God says, so for one, it's my ball. And for two, he replies as Jesus replied then, all days, never alone, I am with you. So if I'm feeling weak and vulnerable, and frequently this happens on a Sunday morning when I'm off going to church and I'm busy trying to think of a thousand details, and I'm really thinking, oh, this is just not together, Lord, I, I, I can't do this. And Jesus is, is, to me, very precious. I'm with you. You're never alone. And look, look back at verse 17. I mean, who is Jesus sending in this? Who is Jesus speaking to in this? It's incredible, absolutely mind-blowing. It's so honest is Matthew as he relates this gospel. I don't think I'd have done it like this. Verse 17 there. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Wonderful. Great. But some doubted. Even with the resurrection, resurrected Jesus before them, some doubted. Jesus is speaking here to people like you and me with very real doubts and needs and inadequacies. He's actually sending us out as we are, deliberately, so that we trust in him and his presence, so we, we work in his power. All authority has been given to Jesus, and then he's sending us out in his name. Never alone, I am with you. All authority, go to all nations. And that means speaking to your neighbours who aren't necessarily of the same comfort zone, same people group. It means speaking to that man in the kiosk who has a very strange habit or two, who's not got the same colour of skin. It means even speaking to people that, well really, um, my culture says, well we don't mix, do we? Teach all that I taught. We really need to make sure we're teaching. I said before that the message hasn't changed. I think the fishing methods have. The methods we're using to fish are changing. But hear me well, this is so important. The message hasn't changed. And I think this is going to be increasingly important as postmodern culture takes its hold in Europe more and more. The message needs to stay the same even if the fishing methods are going to change. And in doing this, Jesus is with us all days.
Let's pray together. Father, I would love for you to be speaking to the hearts of different people here tonight as we open your holy word, your scriptures, the words that you spoke with such power and such force to these disciples that as they obeyed these full of the Holy Spirit, as they obeyed these commands, they turned the world upside down. And my prayer tonight, Lord, is that you would continue to speak with power by your scriptures tonight. That you would not leave these people here alone, and myself included, until we have at last understood and are bowing the knee in obedience. May we hear this message to go. May we hear this message to make disciples. And may we seek to know how to be effective in that task. And Lord, I want to claim that promise that you are with me all days, all the time, always. I so need to know and trust in your strength and know your presence as I go about that task. And I pray this prayer for my friends here tonight, Lord, that they would know your presence because you have said so as they go about this task. And I pray, Father, that you would indeed move through this congregation with tremendous power as you reach out to those people from South Africa here in London, as you reach out through this congregation to English people from all over the world here in London, and as you send others out to be your servants in different nations. Bless this congregation, Lord. Amen.